This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, May 24, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. President Obama wants a Supreme Court justice who shares many of Justice Stevens' views of the First Amendment, especially in the realm of campaign finance reform. In Elena Kagan, it's not clear if the president has found that nominee. John Samples, director of the Cato Institute Center for Representative Government, comments. Well, in general, we don't know a lot about her views about anything, and that seems to have been a remarkable achievement by her of, uh, you know, obscuring her views about important issues for some time. She served as Solicitor General. She argued uh, the Citizens United case on behalf of the government. The rehearing. The rehearing, she argued. on. She argued the rehearing on behalf of uh, the government. That doesn't tell us a great deal about her views. She did change the argument by essentially dropping uh, an, uh, an argument in favor of an earlier precedent, the Austin uh, case. But that uh, was going to lose at the Supreme Court level, so it doesn't really tell us anything. It was just a strategic move in trying to uh, win the case. Uh, she did make an argument in a recent First Amendment case that um, in some case that we should rethink the First Amendment in a way that in some cases where social cost of speech should be balanced against the benefits of the speech. Justice Roberts took strong exception to that in the opinion, saying said it was a startling and dangerous idea that, in fact, the whole point of the First Amendment was to set political speech or speech in general outside of that kind of cost-benefit analysis. And uh, in a sense, for her to choose that kind of argument, I think, which was within her her purview as the Solicitor General, I think that suggests that she takes a a more balancing uh, view of First Amendment rights, which would suggest that the First Amendment speech clauses are going to lose more often than they would under, say, a Roberts view. So what does balancing mean? I know that social, I presume it means putting someone in charge of determining the relative social benefits and costs of speech. Right. It's just the basic idea that, yes, uh, speech uh, offers all kinds of benefits, and we should keep those in mind, but it also causes social harms or social cost, and that in some cases, uh, Congress, for example, might choose to say that this kind of speech the cost, some kind of speech, the cost outweigh the benefits, and therefore we can restrict it. And then the idea is that the court follows that by saying, yes, that's true. This is an accurate uh, and within Congress's power to decide. The problem with that position is that uh, there's a systematic, uh, there's several problems with it, but one is there's a systematic tendency to make mistakes, to think that there's all kinds of social harms connected with speech you don't like, that a legislature responsive to a majority or responsive to to its own members is going to make and overestimate, is going to make mistakes by overestimating the cost of speech and that you're going to end up uh, with all kinds of restrictions on speech. And if anything, the First Amendment seems to be, as Robert said, an attempt to set speech outside that those kinds of considerations and protect it. Given what President Obama said during his State of the Union address, essentially wagging his finger at the Supreme Court in the Citizens United case, 
it would be reasonable for him to have a, a, a level of confidence that uh, uh, Professor Kagan would uh, follow through on Justice Stevens' view on that case. Right. Uh, clearly, uh, at least as a politician and as president, uh, President Obama sees these cases in terms of interest and political power and, and, and spe- so-called special interest and so on. Uh, and certainly Justice Stevens did not see in campaign finance issues any important speech interest, any important uh, First Amendment rights at stake. Now, there is a, the question on the other side, and I think everyone would love to know uh, the answer to this question is, what kind of questions did the president ask uh, these uh, potential uh, aspirants to the Supreme Court? Did he ask, uh, you know, a Solicitor General Kagan about her views extensively, ask her questions about her views about First Amendment and one thing or another? You would suspect so, um, but To that, you also have to add, once she's on the court, as we found out with David Souter or others, um, they can make decisions as they choose, and they're there as long as you have good behavior. Beyond that, one assumes that the president of the United States, in questioning a potential Supreme Court nominee, especially someone who has been a professor of constitutional law, Mm -hmm. uh, might be better at, at... probing the mind of a, of a potential justice? Oh, certainly. I mean, the President Obama would know the central issues uh, that would go beyond a uh, simple discussion of special interests and all that. Uh, he would be able to find out how, uh, what her views are about uh, campaign finance. So it would depend, I think, to go back to your question, how important was it to him uh, in making his own assessment about who to nominate, uh, how important were her views on that. Um, And I think beyond that, when she goes to Congress, uh, we perhaps will hear not a lot because she will be able to pair, the the general strategy has been pairing these kinds of questions. If I had to make a guess about her, I would say that she would be a reliable vote down the line for overturning Citizens United. Um, she certainly, one thing you can say about the arguments she selected in the rehearing of Citizens United, she tried to uh, essentially see the kind of uh, spending and speech at stake, uh, spending by corporations, as a, a matter of corruption. That was what she, her basic argument was. Uh, and it's true that that was would have won her the case had it been accepted. But it's also perhaps indicates a way of seeing this kind of uh, speech and this kind of spending. And I would suspect that uh, she might form a majority perhaps one day uh, for overturning it should history turn out that way. Having said that, um, you know, I'm not entirely confident in my prediction because we don't have a lot of evidence about her views, and her views might change as time goes on. One suggestion has been that she is actually being appointed because of her temperament and so on, and that she would be a person that might persuade Anthony Kennedy to change his views in the short term. 
that seems to me a little uh, uh, far-fetched. Kennedy's Citizens United was a strong statement of uh, Justice Kennedy's emerging view about uh, these issues. And I suspect the change, if it comes, will not come through her turning Anthony Kennedy on uh, free speech issues. John Samples is director of the Cato Institute's Center for Representative Government. His latest book, The Struggle to Limit Government, is available at cato.org.